Welcome to the In Awe Podcast, where we amplify women by sharing their unique stories and empower a community through the mission and their message. I am your host, Sarah Johnson, a former school teacher and principal turned author and entrepreneur, living my own leap of faith on a mission to teach masses. Each week, we will feature stories from women who will leave us all in awe of their impact on our world. Welcome to the In Awe Podcast, my dear friends. We are in the middle of August 2020 and midway through a series on amplifiers. In this series, we have heard about the importance of amplifying our own voice as well as the stories of others, and I am deeply inspired by the guests in this series. Today's guest has a story so perfect that my heart was just pounding the whole time we spoke. Not only does she embody a perfect example of the power in finding and using our own voice, her deeply inspiring life of service has amplified strengths and continues to do so for countless others, and I cannot wait for you to meet her. Dr. Yvonne Smith-Jones has dedicated her life to education, leadership, and service. She holds a Bachelor of Science in Elementary Education from Norfolk State University, a Master of Ed in Supervision Instruction, an Educational Specialist in Educational Administration, and an Educational Doctorate in Educational Administration and Leadership, all from the College of William and Mary. Yvonne is the Director and CEO of Highly Effective Services, Inc., where she has had a contract as an impact coach since 2012, working with principals in 75% of the Commonwealth of Virginia schools for a school university resource network, SURN, in the School of Education at the College of William and Mary, plus coaching numerous school-based leadership teams with the highly effective services. She has served as the director for the Project All Leadership Project in the Educational Leadership Department at Virginia Commonwealth University in 2009 through 2011. She retired in 2009 after working for 31 years as a teacher, principal, and educational leader in for New Kent County and Hopewell City Schools, serving eight years in the principalship and spending 13 years as the director of mathematics, science, and technology for Hopewell Public Schools. She received numerous awards for her leadership from organizations such as the Women Educational Leaders of Virginia, New Kent County NAACP, Hopewell Public Schools, Longwood College of Education and Human Services, South Virginia Regional Technology Consortium, Richmond Area Council, America Business Women's Association, and the Virginia Commonwealth University. Dr. Smith-Jones has served the Board of Directors for the Virginia Association of Supervision and Curriculum Development, William & Mary School of Education Development Board, Optima Health Insurance Community and Outreach Board, and Charles City County Boards of Planning and Zoning, plus on the Charles City Civic League and Cultural Alliance Board of Directors. In addition, she was a member of the Mathematics and Science Coalition for the Commonwealth and the Charles City Recreation Department Board. She has published several articles and written a variety of grants. She has been an avid member of the John Tyler Community College Board of Visitors for eight years and a lifetime member of the Virginia Association of Science Teachers, past president of the Charles City County NAACP and Civic League, and a lifetime member of the NAACP Area of Interest, our K-8 Mathematics Transient and Students at Promise Poverty, Leadership, Instruction, Coaching, Instructional Feedback, STEM, and Lesson Study. She is one of the founding members of the Charles City Democratic Committee and serves as the treasurer. She has had speaking engagements for various organizations and churches emphasizing education and or women issues. She is a community advocate for diversity, inclusivity, and equity. Yvonne has been an adjunct instructor for the University of Virginia, Virginia Commonwealth University, Virginia State University, Regent University, and Mary Baldwin University. She has conducted numerous workshops for school divisions and conferences throughout the state of Virginia and Washington, D.C. She volunteers with food banks and American Cancer Society. She tutors students and organizes church camps for STEM. She loves walking and biking on the Capitol to Capitol bike trail in Charles City County, Virginia. In this episode, Dr. Yvonne speaks so many eloquent truths about the importance of finding our voice 
voice, using them and serving others to find and use theirs. She is a deep, deep well of wisdom, knowledge, service, leadership, and history. We touched upon so many more topics than I could have hoped for in our discussion, and her message is perfect to remind us that we can never stop learning. She deeply inspires me in our chat, and I know that she will have a mission in her message that will land for you when you need it now, my friend. I am honored to share with you Dr. Yvonne Smith-Jones's Amplifier Story. Welcome, Dr. Yvonne Smith-Jones to the In Awe Podcast. I am so excited to meet you today and then be able to share you with the In Awe listeners. Welcome. I feel welcome. <laughs> so good. So I'm so excited to get to know you better. We have you featured here on the Amplifier series, and we will unpack why that might be, and we'll share about your journey into the role that you serve now. But just would you share with the listeners a little bit about your current context so that we might get to know you a little bit better? I live in Charles City County, Virginia. It is a small rural community located between fast growing cities of Richmond and Williamsburg, Virginia. I am a member of a small community, rural in nature, about 7,000 population. We are known for having three cultures, African-American, Native Americans, and Caucasians. We have two presidents who've lived in Charles City County, Tyler and Benjamin Harrison. And we have one community focusing on equity to bring about change in our community. That's a little bit about physically where I live. It is a beautiful place, full of tradition, full of history, full of honor, and full of looking at people from within and who they are. And so that is where I am speaking from. And that is the place that I was born, the place I was educated, and the place that I live today. My current works, I have had the opportunity to become a teacher which was really what I wanted to do ever since I was a toddler. I always wanted to teach people. I um, made superficial classrooms out of whatever I could find in my home when growing up. And I would teach the books and I'll just teach to anybody because I wanted somebody to hear what I had to say and wanted to bring forth learning. And from there, um, I became a teacher I'm just so honored to have that opportunity from being a teacher. I was a principal, having that honor to be a principal, and then uh, going into central office and working in STEM. Uh, so I've had um, a lots of opportunities to teach and then working in the higher education at various, various universities in the state of Virginia as an adjunct and a um, practice professor. So therefore, um, I really have lived out my dream of teaching and learning, which is a continuous process for me even today. Uh, I have certain passions and I, I think about my passions and I think about, you know, why I'm here and what it is that I do. Uh, and thinking about that, um, I try to have a purpose for for living. I try to have um whatever I do to make it pleasurable. I want to be productive. So those are, those are my three P's that I try to live by. I consider myself a servant leader. I basically have a, a vision 
as to bring people together and allow them to see the beauty, the giftedness, and the geniuses that lie within us all. That's very beautiful. A, a couple of things that I want to make sure I go back to is one, I love that image of you saying that you you know, would construct classrooms because you wanted to teach something, you wanted your voice to be heard. I feel like that was just such a perfect <laughs> opportunity to, to point out amplifying our own voices is so critical. And that's one thing that you've been able to do, which then has led you to live with your passion. Because I think about when you talked about it's almost um, an opportunity to amplify the strengths of those that you serve after this lifetime of growing your own voice so that they can become, you know, who that they're called to be with their own purpose in life. And that's just a really beautiful way of highlighting why we have you here on the Amplifier series. So cool. And I was chuckling when I was thinking about the fact that you come from a place of 7,000 and that's rural. Um, my town is 1,300. Can you believe that? Oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we have connections. <laughs> right. It's all about perspective. Going back to the piece. And when you speak about connections, I wanted to make sure that I mentioned this. Um, you know, you and I have interacted here for the first time in our interview, aside from a couple back and forth, because Latrice uh, Younger, who has been on the podcast and is just a, a sister after my own heart, um, connected us. She recommended that I have you because um, you have such wise things to say. And I know that you're connected with her. Do you want to share a little bit about um, how you've come to work, you know, with Latrice and amplifying others? One of the roles that I serve in is as a coach. So I had the opportunity to work with um, principals and their assistant principal in about 84 of our 100 divisions in the state of Virginia. With those principals, they have wonderful networks and they build lots of relationships so in working with the principals and coaching them and working with their staffs, I have had the pleasure of meeting so many different people. And people are constantly telling me, well, you know, you have a gift. You need to spread yourself so other people can become a part of you. And then you need to do A, B, and C. And, and I, I smile and I said, okay, okay, we'll get there. So when Latrice decided that she would like to um, come up with a nonprofit and she want to give back and she want to uplift and she has talents that she can put forth. And she decided to put forth a team to start Be Wells, which is Black Women Education Leaders. And in working with this group of um, aspiring and motivating and just ladies with so much talent to give, I, I wanted to make sure that I could, um, as a, a veteran person to their group, that I would be there to advise and to help build and to support. And so that's what I'm doing with those ladies. And, um, and they really have a lot to give to society. And by me thinking about being a servant leader and what they would like to do, I, I kind of thought about if I work with these young ladies, what is it I would like to focus them as far as direction? And I thought about Shirley Chisholm and her statement, if they don't give you a seat at the table, bowling chair. So these women, as they progress and as they climb and as they seek upward mobility, they're looking for a seat at the table. 
and they might not know yet how to get that seat at the table. So they are in the process of trying to understand that. And so we talk a little bit about change. I think they are looking at what are the ways that I can bring about change or become a change agent and what it is I do on a daily basis. So as those ladies think about change and think about the table effect, um, I, I think that in working with them, trying to give them the tools and skill sets that they need, that they will be able to overturn the tables and set it by putting policy on the table and changing the dynamics of the members at the table and then using the table as a platform to bring about change. Yes. <laughs> I love it. It's such a beautiful image of you serving um, with your servant heart, all of the experience that you've gained, life experience, professional experience, and then just hearing you kind of coaching us as we listen to you in regard to how you can bring about that change. Part of that is realizing the whatever it is in front of you. Part of it is bringing the the seat to the table. And I just love how you use that whole, you carried that whole analogy of that table through um, with that example. And so I'm just so grateful that you are providing your voice to that effort. For the for listeners who aren't familiar, and I will link the um, Be Well Twitter handle. I saw that you just recently did a Zoom um, and you're working to build, Latrice is working to build this um, amplifying message into something that will have an effect and an impact on our profession and women in leadership. Um, and would you like to say anything more about the mission of that organization? Well, the mission of the organization is to be able to mentor other young African-American teachers, specialists, and or educators to, to try to understand leadership and to aspire to understand leadership and then to become leaders and what it is they need to do. So we will be the preparation and for as grooming those particular leaders, helping them to seek their goals and ambitions and also to guide them. And we might be able to assist them with writing resumes, providing mentors, uh, giving scholarships, um, adopting a school where they can understand leadership in that school, and so many other things that we towards to enhance the African-American woman who is in the school and he and she does not know what it is she wants to do. So, so we're going to be the testing ground and we're going to be a place where they can come and gather information. They can come and use the tools that we've set forth for technology so that we can communicate with them and give them what they need in order for them to grow to the next stage in their lives. It's so wonderful. I love it so much. Um, listeners, you're going to want to connect with that Twitter account um, and then engage. But also I wanted to mention, too, because it's tied to this amplifier's message that um, anytime I'm interacting, I'm seeing um, opportunities amplified through retweeting, um, through posting positions that would be available, trying to help the community in that space seek to those positions. Um, I'm seeing amplification of those that 
are in positions that can serve as models, um, you know, in all sorts of ways that that community is looking to raise up and amplify women. Um, and especially, like you said, African-American women who are looking to aspire into roles. And I just appreciate that so much. And I value community that you're building and the collaborative nature. Um, and so I want to make sure that listeners are able to engage with that. And just to thank you for that service, um, because it, <laughs> you have so many other things that you can, uh, pots that you can pour into, uh, for your serving. And, and I know that you're a busy lady and I want to talk about your, um, your own services as well, that I just think it's awesome that you've chosen to take in this season time to do that, to nurture and foster and be a part of that effort. It's so important. Um, it is. It's just um, timely that we are talking today because August 2020, um, this is the National Women's Suffrage Month. It is the 100th anniversary of the 19th Amendment and the women's right to vote in the United States. So it's timely that we're here talking about women because as we spotlight women and their contributions that they bring to society, we want to make sure that um, we look at women as change agent mm. and that we look at from which they enter. So we know that women should think about who they are first. And in thinking about who they are first, then they need to make sure that they're grounded, spiritually grounded. Mm -hmm. They have a purpose and they have a passion for life. And I guess what I'm trying to say, know yourself first and and what your brand is and what you have to give to others. And then you'll be able to see what directions you can go and then how you can begin to spread what you know. And it becomes a domino effect. So we're looking for what I call the key concept. Keep educating yourself. And I think that that key would unlock a lot of things that young African-American women are trying to aspire to the next level. And that will help them in clarity, bringing that clarity as to what it is that they can see and what they can attain and what they need to get there. So good. A lot of really important themes coming from that. I love that you pointed out that we're at the 100th anniversary of the suffrage um, the 19th Amendment. And there's so much really good, rich, important history. And you talked about being change agents absolutely has needed but throughout history. Women have needed to step into power and step into change and create space. And I love so much that you talk about the fact that we need to center ourselves first. You know, anybody could amplify their voice, but if they're not certain or they're not um, centered, like you said, in purpose, then that voice kind of is going to land on some deaf ears. I was noticing, if you wouldn't mind, um, to I was on your Twitter account and there was something that struck me. Uh, you had posted on on June nineteenth, which is Juneteenth, and you had you had said these words: "Have mercy, amplify your voice, and do something good to show your love for all people. Show an act of kindness from your heart. Listen to my black voice and learn." the me you see. Similar to what we're talking about, but it's just so well-timed again. Um, what a beautiful message. And your voice must be amplified. <laughs> Dr. Yvonne, you, you've 
clearly had an impact on so many spaces in this world. And so one of the things I wanted to ask you about is your journey. <laughs> you shared that you wanted to be a teacher and that you got into the principalship and you've been, you know, you've been an adjunct professor and, uh, you know, you're working in advocacy in different ways. But I'm curious about um, your highly effective I have to look back at the name. What is the name of your service that you provide for your coaching? Okay. Um, it is a highly effective services incorporated. Thank and you. And my journey, starting from um, a young person living in rural kind of setting or community, is first um, my family. And so my family really grounded us in spirituality and, and understanding that we have a leader and God was our leader. So we had that type of family um, support, family encouragement. Our family encouraged us to read. Our family encouraged us to know. Our family encouraged us to value education. And, and if you grow up in that type of environment, when, when the support is there and everybody is working towards making sure we all are happy, we have our basic needs met, but to pleasantly push us a little bit to become the best that we can become. So, so that is from that is basically the construct which which build the ideas um, that I have and the things that I want to do. And it, it is that uh, underlining kind of a force that's pushing to to make you to do the things that you want to do and accomplish your goals, but to understand that you always have family to support. And I think that that is so important. And so on my journey, I had a family to support me. I have had the opportunities to, um, to live um, in various places for short periods of time, meaning that um, I had aunts who had gone to New York and they were t- so therefore, I had the opportunity to see teachers and to know teachers and to visit with them every summer. So I had an opportunity to see a lot of things um, that others living in my rural community probably have not had the opportunity. So I knew that there were other things out there and I wanted to make sure that I could embrace those things and that and have the hope to move along and to see those things as being um, tangible things that I could do and the things that I could aspire to. So uh, that vision was there. And with the vision, uh, I had the, I guess, internal kind of boosters that was just inspiring me to go and to do. And so when I was able to do that, uh, I was able to go to college I was able to get um, my degrees at various universities. But but one of the things that I wanted to, to tell you is that um, in being able to finish my education out at the College of Women Mary was very significant to me because as a young child, I would pass the university and I would see so many people who looked like me outside working in landscape. And I would see these wonderful buildings and people with books. And those people didn't look like me who had the books going into those doors. But I said to myself that one day I am going to be a person who go into those doors with books. And I was able to do that. And not only was I able to do that, um, uh, descendant of 
President John Tyler. I live about three miles from the home place. And they, in turn, um, allowed me to be able to um, get on the board at John Tyler Community College and to actually um, see education from a different perspective and then to go to Women Mary and get my doctorate from Women Mary and uh, knowing that President John Tyler, descendants of right here, we communicate and talk about that. But if doors had not been open for me as um, an African-American and um, being encouraged and motivated to, to go on and, you know, I, I, I wouldn't have had all the opportunities that I've had. So I've always been one of those persons to kind of put myself out there. And uh, always willing to have uh, courageous conversations, uh, to stay engaged, to experience discomfort, to speak my truth, and to expect and accept those things that I know I can and cannot change. So those courageous conversations have always been important to me. And um, and just a, a motto that I have, that as I climb, I need to lift others. If my story of visibility and conversations can inspire other women as they obtain, if they obtain their goals, that guide them down the path to leadership by forging relationships and building trust. Hmm. Encouraging these women to take risks, defining their brands, promoted talented women to vacate their comfort zones. It will delight my heart and brighten my vision for hope hoping that each generation will work on resolving challenges and making a visible difference. I'm just beaming uh, when I'm thinking you have such a beautiful way of speaking your truth. Um, even just saying that you could encourage women to vacate their comfort zones. is just such a, an eloquent way of saying it. Uh, and you have had exceptional experiences. I'm looking at a picture right now of you hanging out with John Hattie. <laughs> so you talked about making those um, experiences visible or those passions visible. And here you are. One of the experiences you've had is working with the visible learning guru, um, John Hattie. Right. Yeah. right. Had an opportunity to um, visit uh, with, um, with John Hattie um, in Australia uh, at the University of Melbourne and, uh, and to talk about his research and to sit in his office and to walk down his halls and to be with him for an entire day to study and learn and to go to schools that were visible learning schools had that opportunity. So I've had the opportunity to maybe be with um, John Hattie, maybe about four times as he come into the United States and he's come to the College of Women Mary and, and various other places. So yes, um, when I look at the research and looking at from research to practice, John Hattie really been a person that I have admired as um, a really guru for change and and looking at evidence and using evidence as we as we think about change. So I want to make sure that we cover that piece of it too. So first, could you just share with the listeners why I would think that's pretty cool? Because I don't know that all of my listeners even know who John Hattie is and about his research. Okay, so 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 John Hattie um on this whole thing about visible learning and and he's he talks about that that as we as we teach that it's, it's not about the teaching it's all about the learning so we should focus 
focus all of our energies on the learning. So how do we know people are learning? Uh, what do we have to do? So he says we have to make sure that we're using effective practices and it should be high yield strategies that we should be looking at. We should be looking at when the research is saying these are the things you do that's going to make a significant difference towards student achievement. So John Hattie has put together uh, a meta-analysis in which he's looking at all of these studies that were done, bringing them together and formulating some conclusions about what are the things that we need to do to ensure that students are learning and that we can see achievement occurring? So John Hattie's work has been a, around that whole um, kind of arena. And he's looked at it from leadership. He's looked at it from content area. And he's looked at it just from people building relationships. And, and those are the two things from his studies that always have the front light building relationships and trust mm. that we can get people to grow and we can see change agent of Karen if we can do those two things well. Yeah. So that was a really great overview and why, you know, I would geek out just <laughs> seeing you hanging out with him, but I think he should geek out, you know, being hanging out with you too, because listeners, I don't know if you, um, I'm sure that you've been able to pick up that Yvonne just has a wealth of experience and knowledge and passion. And I can hear your voice light up when you start to speak about the highly effective practices, because I see one of the major roles that you serve is in research and that connection between um, the School of Education and the K-12 schools. Do you want to talk about that position a little bit? At the College of Women Mary, we have um school university resource network called CERN. And we reach out to K through 12 schools. And in doing that, we have designed um, our work around John Hattie's work. And we are looking at um, visible learning and we're looking at various school divisions. So those principals come to our principals academy. And then we have modules that we've developed to work with principals to actually get the research and understanding. And we teach them how to work with their staffs and professional development. But the biggest thing that I do in my role in all of this is I am the impact coach. And what I do is I get into my car and I actually go to the schools and work with the principals and their leadership team. And we go into classrooms and we try to determine if teachers are using these high yield strategies that's going to yield student achievement. So we go in and we do the observation and we use evidence base. We get together and we actually talk about what we had an opportunity to see and hear. And then we actually engage in a reflective conversation with the teachers. And then we try to get the teachers to think and promote um, what they were doing when we were in their classrooms. So far, and working with McWilliam and Mary, I have conducted maybe about 4,000 observations in various schools in the state of Virginia. And, uh, and principals just marvel at the day that we have because we bring together the leadership team. It's not only the principal. So the principal is working with his or her instructional team and leadership team. And, it, and it's a wonderful journey because 
we give them the research when they come on campus. But when I go out into the schools, we're putting that into practice and we're, we're trying to follow up with them and we're supporting principals and we're helping them to grow and we're helping them to grow leadership within their schools as well. So that has been a, a wonderful journey working with that. And um, now that we have our COVID-19 and we're doing most of our things online, we're going to have to pivot. So, so we've, had, um, we've had some conversations with some of our principals as a follow-up after March the 13th. We didn't want to leave them out there. So we've been having some courageous conversations with them. And they've just been um, self-help checkups and check-ins just to see where they are, what kind of support they need. And I've been there just to be silent and to listen and mm. just let them talk. And it, for many of them, they would send me back an email and say, you know, so glad that you were there to listen to me today. I had to tell someone and that kind of thing. So, you know, just trying to follow through with them. Um, in this year's cohort, I work with 84 different um, um schools and principals. So therefore they were all calling and chiming in. Some of them have new jobs and they've moved on and, um, and some of them are planning. Some of them are exhausted. Some of them are enjoying family and some of them are just trying to, to make meaning. But, um, you know, so I'm there for them. They're able to, um, they can call me. They can use any device that they have. You know, they've been Zooming and Meet and Team. And, you know, so I'm there for them uh, because I, I know that this is different for them because um, we're in this together and it is inclusiveness for change. And so, you, you know, as we think about all of us, we think about, creating what need to be created for our students. So as, as principals and teachers and parents think about the next steps in education for their children, they need to be proud of the fact that we do have teachers who can actually plan and teach a lesson. It's not about the technology. We want the technology to work. We want people to have the technology, but it's all about the teaching and learning. And that's where we should put our focal point. And we all should work towards making that happen for each and every student, even those who don't have access to the technology and the broadband and the internet. You know, we as a community, we all need to get together to help support and do everything that we can do. Uh, I plan to, in my community, get into my vehicle and to go around using all the CDC um, kind of um, suggestions and uh, make sure that um, students who might not be able to get to a Wi-Fi to either bring that Wi-Fi to them or take them and their parents to a place where they can have access to that Wi-Fi and help in any way that I can to make that happen. I, I, I think that that's what's needed. And then try to get other people to do likewise. I plan to um, tutor if needed and whatever is needed for the equation to work, be a variable. That's awesome. And what a good grounding point to kind of, unfortunately, you know, twist our conversation to our standard questions. Cause there's so much, I think that you can teach us right now. What a bunch of gold that was because, you know, it's so easy to get caught up right now in the stressors and the details and, 
I don't know if you know this, but I also coach principals and I have been one and, you know, my best friends are principals and they are exhausted right now with the many changes. And I think that's because their hearts are so in tune with exactly what you're talking about, you know, is making sure that every kid's learning needs are met. And when you said, you know, you can be one of those variables, what an empowering way to look at it, you know. Listeners, we can be one of those variables <laughs> in our learning communities. So absolutely. Yes. It's going to be interesting, but, but they're educators. We are flexible. We are adaptable and we're lovable and we'll get it done. We'll get it done um, when, when the school year is over with and we look back from where we started. We're going to see that we've had so much growth and that we're really competent and we know what we're doing. And it's all because of a classroom teacher who love what he or she does. So it's going to work and it's going to, you know, the te- the kids are going to learn, teachers are going to do what they are supposed to do. And it's going to work out. We got to be positive. It's going to work out. Um, so just hang in there and, and roll with the flow. Such a beautiful message. And I agree with you. And I also think my prediction is we're going to come to the end of the year and see that the transformation that we are choosing to embrace in faith is going to be for us, to be for our systems and before our kids and our teachers and our leaders, if we can just embrace it instead of, you know, pressing away from it in fear. That's my that's my um, guess for our future. And that's so right. Absolutely. Uh- <laughs> okay, ma'am. Well, I have just really enjoyed um, you filled my cup just listening to you, reinvigorating my own thoughts about education. And you just have such a wealth of experience and knowledge and uh, inspiration that we need. So I'm so grateful that I get to share you with, with the listeners here in this series. And I have these two questions that I always ask. So are you ready for me to ask them? Okay, let's go for your two questions. <laughs> awesome. So the first one is, Yvonne, if you could write a letter to yourself at any age or stage, what would you say? Uh, first thing I would tell myself is um, pay attention to details um, and try to be um, a little bit more focused around um, things that are silent and things with no voice and things that are visible and tangible but might need to be dissected. So I, my, myself as a formal um, self, I would write that letter to say, just pay attention to details. There's so much for us to learn and to grow that's around us that we just seem to not even care about it because it's not important to us at that particular time. So, so I would say to myself, pay attention to details and to, to really get the beauty of life and all that it has to offer. I feel like that was just a piece of wisdom that we all needed to hear right now, you know, in our world that has slowed down in so many ways and sped up in others that we can take the opportunity to pay attention to those. Even though you're writing the letter to yourself at any age, we can listen to that. And I also think it aligns so well with this idea of you being an amplifier is taking those quiet spaces and amplifying them to significance. So thank you for that. It's really wise. How about this one? Um, For listeners that find themselves in a pit of fear or doubt, what could you say to help them rise up out of it? One of the things that I like to say, you don't have to think of things as being something that you fear or that you doubt. You have to look at things as being different 
and unique and find a way to actually conquer those things. So I constantly say, especially to women, but it can be used for all. You need to reach for the hands of other people. You need to fill your arms with skills. You need to enter love in your heart. You need to pour research knowledge in the brains and brighten the vision towards leadership and service. If you think about where you're going and if you have a path to get there when you're on the journey, then those differences are going to be there and you just need to find a way to continue the path. You might have off the path and come back. You might have to go to the left on the path or go to the right, or you might have to just walk that straight line to the path, but don't see it as a pit of doubt or fear, but just see it as a, as a difference that you need to figure out how to continue your journey and in, and in doing that journey or in finding that journey, you need to make sure that you use all the tools that you have to make sure that you arrive to the designation. So wisely spoken. I love that you took that, um, you know, that pit now image and just said, don't see it that way. <laughs> see it, you know, change your perspective. And so quote worthy. Um, I can't wait to listen back to that when you talk about reaching out with your hands and filling your heart and filling your mind is so important, um, especially when we are in fear or doubt and aren't sure. And I, as I think that many of us may be right now. So thank you so much for your beautiful words. For listeners that would like to engage with you after hearing this interview, because I know they're going to want to, what would you suggest is the best way for them to be able to do that? You can find me on Twitter. You can find me on Facebook and you can always the old age emails and whatever else too. But anyway, you can find me. All you have to do is look for me. Google me. You'll find me somewhere. Um, (laughs) You'll be lurking about somewhere. I'll be lurking about somewhere, you know, (laughs) but before we leave, I really want to thank you for the opportunity. I want to thank you for allowing people to hear about what it is that they can do to make the world a better place and that they too can help us to bring about change in small increments. And, um, and I'm just so delighted this opportunity this morning. Well, it was my deepest honor to be able to speak with you, Dr. Yvonne. And I know that listeners are going to hear this message now, or they're going to hear it a year from now or two years from now, and your light will impact them in just the way it will and should, and your message will land. So I'm just so grateful you took the time. I know you're a very busy woman and your yeses mean a lot. And I'm so grateful that I got to be one of them today. Thank you so much. Thank you. The honor is mine and the pleasure. I continue to be completely awe-inspired by every single guest on this podcast, and I am so grateful every time you choose to share, rate, review an episode. It matters so greatly to the mission and the message of our guests, and I appreciate every time you help one another rise by lifting up the message. Thank you so much, and I appreciate you being a part of this awe-inspiring community.